Dave asked Andrew and I a couple weeks ago to just kind of spend some time praying and, and talking and thinking to just kind of share a specific word for, um, for the family here at Marathon. And so, you know, kind of the way that we do things most weeks is that we'll, we'll teach through a book or we'll teach through a series and we're talking about the same things at Cannery and Hillsborough Village. And, and Dave just said, hey, why don't you take a week and just really listen on behalf of the people at Marathon and, and speak uh, kind of into the, what you think God might be putting in their hearts. And so Andrew and I just have done that for the past couple of weeks and we're super excited about last Sunday and we got this amazing snowstorm. And, and uh, so I'm excited to just kind of share some things this morning. So here's, here's what I want to do. I want to I share a verse as, as I've been praying and, and, and trying to listen for, for this body. Um, I think God just kind of kept putting this, this one verse in my heart and um, bringing this one verse to my attention, to my mind. And I just want to say this, it's, it's going to kind of be us to discern this in community if this is, is really from God. But, um, but, but I wanted to, to just kind of share, and, and I think this verse has... Uh, the potential to really kind of unleash us as a church family into some new places of faith and some new levels of mission and engagement in our city with Jesus. And, and so here's the verse that I, I want to just kind of share with us this morning. Galatians chapter five, verse one, it says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Galatians chapter five, verse one says, it is for freedom that, that Christ has set you free. Um, I don't know what God is going to do with this verse entirely, um, but I have a sense that maybe he's kind of giving us this as an anthem for, for us this year. Um, it is for freedom that, that Christ has set you free. Here's what we're going to do. I want us to look at this one verse. I want us to look at one story in scripture in John chapter six, and then I really want to kind of pull it down and to apply it into our lives. But, but, but I, I think before we jump into the text that, that there are these kind of three ideas, these three levels of freedom that I think um, as Andrew and I were talking and praying that I, I think God is really inviting us to, to, stake a, to take a step, not just as individuals, but, but as a community, as a family, as people who come in this place and we're not strangers, we're, we're family, we're brothers and sisters who are bound by the blood of Jesus. We are made into the family of God. And I think he's inviting us to, to take some steps, to, to reimagine Sundays, to reimagine life with God, to reimagine maybe the things that, that we've said, this is what life with God, this is what life as a Christian looks like. And I think God is going, no, I've, I've got more for you. It is for freedom that, that Christ has set you free. And so I think these three levels of, of freedom, this, this idea of an internal freedom, on a heart level that he's inviting us to, to step into new levels of, of freedom on a heart level. Um, he's inviting us to step into some new levels of, of freedom communally. So when we come here on Sundays, when we, when we gather as the people of God in house church, when we gather, when, when we come together communally. And the third level I think that he might be inviting us to step into some new levels of freedom is, is as we leave, is missionally that maybe that God has more for us than, than what we're experiencing right now. And, and I don't know about you, but I go, man, if you've, if you've ever seen God, if you've ever tasted God, if you've ever encountered God, if you've ever enjoyed in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you go, man, I, you, you want more of that. That the kingdom of God, when it starts to awaken you, you, you don't have this desire for less. You, you want more. And I think God is saying to us, Marathon, if you want more, the, the table is set. You just have to eat. And so I want us to look at these three ideas of what it looks like for us to internally, communally, and missionally kind of step into some levels of freedom. And so John chapter six, the story I want us to look at, <clears throat> um, I don't want to just share my thoughts on freedom. I want us to look at Jesus and kind of see by how his power, um, by his authority, how we start kind of living into the freedom that he's given to us. And so John chapter six, verse one, you guys with me? Hang with me this morning. 
Starting verse one, John chapter six. I love you guys, by the way. It's just fun. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed Jesus because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, who's one of the 12 apostles, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus asked this to Philip only to test him, for Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered Jesus, it would take more than half a year's wages to mine enough bread for each person to have one bite. And so, you know, I want us to notice a couple of things in this story that um, this idea that what we see in John 6 is that the people came this day for Jesus. You know, we don't know why all these people came. We don't know how they had heard of Jesus. It said that, that some people had heard the, the signs that he was performing. And I just kept thinking, I wonder if the, the crowd that was gathered in John 6 is kind of like the crowd that's gathered here today. You know, on some level, whether we know this or not, that, that each of us is here because of Jesus. You know, I don't know if you believe this or not, but it, it is just true. This is the most true thing that we're gonna talk about this morning, that, that Jesus Christ came and he lived on this earth and he died a real death and he laid in death for three days and early on a Sunday morning by the power and the authority and the goodwill of God, he came out of death and he appeared to more than 500 people over a period of 40 days and he ascended into heaven and he told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm gonna come back for you. And, and, the, and ever since, Jesus has been at the Father's right hand and you know what he's been doing? He's been drawing the world to himself. He's been drawing people from all over the place into to, to spaces like this all over the world. That our king has been in the business of, of drawing people to himself from the very beginning. And this morning, I, I don't know what it is that, that brought you here. I don't know what you, you, you know about God. I don't know what you've heard about Jesus. I don't know if your, your friends told you or your family's told you. I don't know what your experience with, with, with God is, what your expectations of God are when you come into this place. My, my gut is that we come into this place and we're in all different places, that, that some of you, you come in here and your only experience with, with God was this lifeless church service that your parents made you go to growing up. And so every time you come into a place like this, you have no expectations for God. You're, you're thinking about the hamburger you're gonna eat after lunch. And, and that's just real. I'm not accusing. I've been there in my life. Some of you come in this place and you've been so burned by Christians that, that people of God have treated you worse than anyone else in your life. And, and you come here this morning hoping that, that there is a God and that he is so different than what you've been told. And you're, this is kind of like your, your one last ditch effort to, to see if this whole God thing is real. Some of us come in this place having walked with God for a long time and, and just like the crowd that, that gathered in John 6, the crowd that is gathered here today, we, we come with an expectation. We come into this place for Jesus. This is the crowd. The other person in the story I want us to notice is Jesus. I think it's easy for us to put ourselves in the place of the disciples and the crowd and other people in the story. But I want you to, to, to think about the story from the person of Jesus in a minute, for this minute. What was going on in his heart and his mind as John chapter six reveals to us. 
says that as this crowd was coming for Jesus, that Jesus had something planned for the crowd that day that the crowd was completely oblivious to. That as a crowd was, was making their way to, to be with Jesus, to see Jesus, to experience him, to hear from him, to be with him, it says that in the, the back of the mind of Jesus, he had something beautiful planned to give them. And I think this is so important for us because it's, I believe this is telling, not just of what Jesus does in one story, but this is descriptive of, of who Jesus is. That when the people gather around Jesus for the purpose of being with Jesus, his heart is to give, to meet the need. Let's keep going in verse eight and nine. Another of his disciples, Andrew, who was Peter's brother, he spoke up to Jesus, says, Jesus, here's a boy that has five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I want to say this and um, kind of take it and, and process it. It, um, it. it wasn't like they had nothing. Um, I'm not being sacrilegious in this story. You know, uh, God can do anything. The, the way that he created Adam and Eve from the, the dust of the earth, the, the, the way that he spoke this creation into existence, he doesn't need anything to, to make things beautiful. But in this story, um, Jesus was not starting from scratch. And it might not have seemed like much, Says that there are five thousand um, gathered here this day, and and really that was only a count of the men. Most scholars believe there were anywhere between fifteen and twenty-five thousand people present. How many people can fit in Bridgestone? I'm just looking for a little feedback. Does anybody know? Eighteen thousand. So more than fit in Bridgestone Arena. Could you imagine this many people gathered to to hear Jesus one day? And only one little boy had food. Out of all these people there, one little boy with five pieces of bread, two little pieces of fish. And it wasn't much, but there was something. And I think it's so beautiful what we learn in this story about this little boy is that he, he takes what he has and he just puts it in the hands of Jesus. Now you think about this for a minute, like um, how many times have, have you shared your lunch, just given your lunch to somebody? Where you go, yeah, you can have my lunch. I won't eat today. Apparently Matt did that. Nathan's like giving him a nudge on the shoulder. Good job, Matt, thanks. And thanks for ruining my example. You guys leave, I'm just kidding. No, no I'm sure that, that has happened before, but. Uh, I just want you, when, when you do that, it's a, a selfless posture of the heart. This little boy, to, to take the, the only food that he had and to give it to Jesus, knowing that he might not get to eat that day. I kept thinking about this little boy. You know, I was talking to my friend Douglas the other day and he has two little boys. And, and I said, hey, Douglas, how many days have your boys woken up and made their own lunch? And he's like, that has never happened. Like, not one time. And, and I just kept thinking, this is me reading into the story a little bit. But, but I wonder if the reason he was prepared is because someone else had prepared him, that 
his mom and dad woke up that day and they, they knew that their little son, Benny or Johnny or whatever his name is, was, was gonna go play with his friends that day. He didn't have school and so he was gonna uh, go to the park and he's gonna play some baseball and he's gonna go swimming and he's gonna hang out with his buddies and his parents knew that at some point he was gonna get hungry. So they woke up early that morning, they pulled out that brown paper bag and made him a lunch, wrote his name on it, handed it to him as he's on his way out the door and it just hit me that this story takes place because that someone had set him up well. That this little boy came and he had something to offer. Here's a story that's unfolding. This crowd comes looking for Jesus. They didn't know it, but behind the scenes, Jesus had something planned for them, something that he was wanting to give them. And Jesus wasn't starting from scratch and what he was going to do. And so in verse 10, keeps keep going in the story. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they all sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks. And he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And so, you know, the story is taking place on a hillside. I want you to just kind of picture Severe Park over in 12 South. You ever driven by uh, down 12th uh, in a spring or summer or fall day? It's probably like this yesterday. Like you look up in that hill, it's just decorated with people, right? People laying on blankets and playing guitar, laying in their enos, like throwing Frisbee. It's just this amazing sight that there's something about this hillside that just attracts people. And I'm convinced that if John chapter six were to happen in 2015, it would probably take place somewhere like Sevier Park. Just imagine Sevier Park and a beautiful fall day and all these people covering the hill and, and Jesus in the very middle with the bread in his hands. And the story says that Jesus is walking around and he breaks the bread and he feeds the people. Oh, you hungry, Melissa? You want some food? Peter, you hungry? You want some food? Christopher, you hungry? You want some food? Carl, you hungry? You want some food? And after he fed every person that was there, Jesus still has bread in his hands. Does anyone want seconds? And Wesley's like, I want seconds. I'm hungry. I worked out this morning. I want seconds. And Jesus is walking around and feeding the crowds and breaking the bread. Anyone want thirds? Yeah, I'm hungry. I love this picture of Jesus. Verse 12, and when they all had enough to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And I want you to notice this detail, that every person that came was fed that day. That every single person left full. I want to help us see how I think this story, um, how it applies to us. I want to kind of pull this down into our lives a little bit. You know, this morning, um, each of us, we, we came here and we came here for Jesus. 
And some of you got in your cars and you drove from Germantown and some of you got in your cars or you rode your bikes over the Jefferson Street Bridge. Some of you, you got in your car and you packed your car and a bunch of Vanderbilt students and you drove over here. And, and I don't know where it is that you came from this morning, but my gut is that, that you came here in this place and that you had some expectation of what this morning was going to look like. And I hope you see that this is what I just so believe, that that the same intentions of Jesus in John 6 are true today. I'm not sure why you came here this morning. For some of you, you, you came hoping that you would hear from God. It's been a long time since you've You felt like you've been sitting in the middle of his love. Some of you come here this morning and you're, and, and you're hoping that, that, that God could forgive you because you know the, 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 the stuff you stumbled into this past week and you come here this morning and you haven't looked up yet because you're, you're so worried that, that, that God could not forgive you. Some of you come in this place this morning and you're just hoping that, that this will be the week that, that God just awakens something in you. And I believe that the, the same Jesus in John 6 is the Jesus of today, that, that as we come in this place from a variety of different places and a variety of different expectations, that, that he still longs to fill us. I believe that he longs to fill us with, with this freedom that comes. This is for those of you who, who don't follow Jesus and those of you who do follow Jesus. Those of you who are here with us today that don't follow Jesus, what I hope you see in this story is that, that Jesus in John 6 didn't just fill some of the people that day. He didn't just fill the ones who went to church the past week or who grew up going to church. He didn't just fill the ones who, who had been praying and had been seeking him. He didn't just fill the ones who had been serving the poor and, and being nice to people. No, the only prerequisite for being filled that day was that they came to Jesus. Is that they put themselves in the place where Jesus was. This is Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, if you come to me, if you're tired and weary, you will find rest. And for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, you've already taken a huge step in coming here. And I believe that he's not done with you just coming here this morning and, and, and filling his seat. I believe that the Jesus in John 6 is a Jesus of today, the Jesus who's risen and alive, that he longs to fill you with this freedom that comes through, through knowing Jesus. John 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty. And if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, this is, this is what he's saying. I will satisfy you. I will sustain you like nothing else in this life can. And I will do it over and over and over and over and over. Jesus is not just some historical figure of the past. He has more for you than just to sit here and to intellectually assent to the fact that he was a historical figure. No, I think he's inviting you, if you don't follow him, to, to really know him, not just know about him. 
to in this life hear from him, worship him, walk with him, enjoy him, see him. See, when we come to Jesus, when we really come to him, you actually find him. That's why anytime I'm, I'm having a conversation with someone who's, who's searching for God, when they say, man, I'm, I'm open and I'm going to seek him, it's like the best thing you could tell me because what I know is if you seek him, you will find him. He's not playing this cosmic game of hide and seek. No, he just wants to know if your heart is in it. Are you really interested in knowing if there is a higher being who does love you, who has come to save you and his name is Jesus? Do you actually want to know him? Because if you do, and if you will seek him, you will find him. I promise you, you'll find him. This is Matthew chapter seven. And if you don't follow Jesus, the freedom that he longs to give you is this internal freedom that comes through knowing him. Knowing that even in the midst of the hard stuff in life that you'll go through, that he's with you. Jesus is inviting you into places of freedom to accept forgiveness over the, the sin in your life and to give you forgiveness to extend to those who have deeply wounded you. That there is a place of freedom that is unlocked in our lives that only comes when we, when we know Jesus. This is for those who don't follow Jesus yet. For those of you who do follow Jesus, man, the freedom that I think he longs to give us on a heart level is the freedom from fear. Right? Is there any um, greater paralyzer, crippler in our lives than fear? I sat down last week and I just started writing out and thinking about all the things that I'm fearful of. You know, I come into this space so often and, and I wake up after me and just being lazy in my pursuit of God or being sinful or having a hard heart. And, and so often my fear is that there's not going to be a refill of the grace of God in my life. I'm going, what if, what if, if this is it? What if God has done me? What if, if that was the one sin that was too much? And I think what, what he's inviting us into the, and to, to speak into and against all of our fears to as people of God being rooted in the promises that bring about our internal freedom. And so I, I love John 6, verse 37, where Jesus, I love what he says here. He says, I, uh, he says, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And listen to this. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Is Jesus lying? No, he's saying, man, if, if we come to him, that there is no scheme of Satan, there is no sinfulness in our world that can snatch us out of his hand, that Jesus will not drive us away. And he's inviting us to be people who, who live in that freedom. We don't come in here on a Sunday morning being fearful of all the what ifs. We come in here being rooted in the freedom of what God has done for us and what he has promised us. Can you imagine how different we'll be when we, we walk in freedom internally? where we don't come in this place fearful that our sins are going to cost us, but we come in this place thankful that our sins cost him and that he is alive and forgiven us and imparted on us unending grace.
It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. The, the second space of freedom, the speca- second level of freedom that I think he longs to give us is, is here when we come together as a community. I think what that looks like is that, that you and I, we have to learn that when we come together, that when you and I gather here for the purpose of Jesus with the body of Christ, that our job when we come into this place is not just to get a cup of coffee and to sit down in our seats and to listen to Adam and Kayla sing some great songs and to listen to me talk to you. No, our job as the people of God each week as we step into this place is to take our metaphorical sack lunches and to put them in the hands of Jesus so that Jesus can use what we have to bless the body here. You're going, Brandon, you've lost it. What are you talking about? What is a metaphorical sack lunch? Let me tell you, thanks for asking, great question. For some of you, the sack lunch that has been given to you is you just have this amazing gift of encouragement. I think about my friend Logan, and this is a gift that I've just consistently seen in Logan. I've been doing life with Logan for nine years, and he just has this ability to, to just encourage me. And some of you, you, you know that you have it. You, you know that, that people leave your presence when you're hanging out and they're just encouraged. They're just, they're, they're just inspired. And, and what I'm asking you is if the sack lunch that God has given to you is a gift of encouragement, if you have the ability just to, to brighten people's lives, would you come here and give the best that you have for the good of these people so that these people can leave fed? That you'd come in these doors and you go, man, Who's going to notice me? Who's going to make me feel welcome? No, you come in this place and you go, who can I encourage? That this is my space, that this is a place where God meets his people, that this is a place where where God meets us. And I want to put my sack lunch in his hands every time I come into his presence. Because I believe that when we gather, he fills. And I want to be a part of the filling of the body of Christ. For some of you, the, 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 the gift that you have is is that you've had an amazing week or amazing month or amazing season. Your mom's cancer went in remission. You got a promotion at work. You got accepted into the grad program that you wanted to get into. And I invite you that, that you would come into this place and in an unrestrained way that you would worship. I love watching our kids worship. Court and I have been over at Marathon basically for the past year and a half, most Sundays, but for the past three years since Marathon has been a family and we get to come over here every once in a while. And the thing that stands out to me is that the kids worship different than we worship. And that's not an indictment, it's just the truth. That there is a freedom, that there is a who cares what other people think that is sitting heavy in their hearts. And I think he's inviting us as people who who experience the joy of God to, to let the best of our worship happen in the midst of the body of Christ. And I'm guilty of this. You know, I'll pick up my kids and we'll just stand in our living room and I'll just hold my kids and we'll dance and we'll just sing the name of Jesus over and over and over again. And I go, oh, it's so different than how I worship on Sundays because I come in here and I put my hands in my pockets because I'm, I'm worried what you're going to think. And, and I'm not saying to come in here and put on a show and a sing and dance, but I'm saying, would you come in here and, and worship God? And if you don't want to be distracting, go to the back. But I'm telling you that, that this is a place and part of the freedom that he's inviting us into as a community is that we would come and we would worship. Now, don't force it. I think also part of the beauty, the freedom that he's inviting us to step into a community is to, to own where we are in life. And sometimes we come in this place and we're broken and we're hurt 
and we're weak and our faith is gone. And I'm not asking you to stand up and dance and to pretend. I'm asking you to put what you have in the hands of God. In some weeks, what you need is to sit down and for the entire time we're gathered to have one of your friends pray for you. Would you put what you have in the hands of God? Would you put your sack lunch in his hand? You know, I think one of the, the areas that I think the spirit of God is, is wanting and we're welcoming him to move in this way in our place is, is through him giving us, us words for each other. And this is a brand new thing. I'm just being completely honest. Like uh, two years ago, this idea totally weirded me out. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that, that he gives us words of prophecy. And prophecy is, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, you can go and read this. He gives this to us for the, the strengthening and the encouragement and the comfort of the body of Christ. That when we gather, do you realize that, that I'm not supposed to be the only one speaking to us on Sundays? That as we sit here, I, I just have seen this and believe this, that, that God is going to give you words and pictures and thoughts that will bless other people in this room. That you are an integral part of the body of Christ. And I asked, man, when, when God gives you a word, or Nick, when he puts it on your heart to go and pray for somebody in this room. That we would welcome the spirit of God, that we would be amazed, that, that we would ha not have to be scared of, of letting go of some control and, and stepping out into faith. This is like my buddy Nick, you know, Chris is one of his good buddies. I don't know if Nick's here today. A couple years ago, he was just kind of wrestling with, you know, God, what do you, what do you have for me? And he kind of felt this desire in his heart to go down to Peru and do some mission work for a while. Wrestling with it, praying through it, put it in the hands of God. One Sunday morning, he woke up and he said, God, if, if this is from you, would you just make it abundantly clear? I'm putting this in your hands. And I kid you not, he comes to Marathon, the same building that you're on, that your feet are on the floor, the same floor that his feet were touching that day. And he said, in the middle of worship, this guy was kind of looking at him. This might be you. I don't even know who it is. He was looking at him. He said, I, I didn't know the guy. It kind of was weirding me out. And he, he said, I, anyways, it, got done, the teaching got over, we we're taking communion. This guy walks up to me, complete stranger, never met him before. And he said, hey, I, I felt like in worship, God was just telling me that, that you need to go to Peru. And I heard that and I thought, that's amazing. And what I've seen over the past several years is that, that this is a God, this is what he does, not just for the spiritually elect, this is what he does for the body of Christ, that, that hand, he's gonna give you words for people and Daniel's gonna give you words for people. Will we have faith to go to Paul and say, Paul, I know this is weird, but you know, during, uh, during the teaching, uh, Psalm 24 was on my heart. I thought I was just supposed to share it with you. I don't know if it has anything. You're going to have to discern this, but, but I, I just, I thought I was supposed to share this with you. Griffin, during uh, the, the worship, this, this word came to my mind for you. And I think God is wanting me just to share with you that, that courage is a word for you. You see, I believe that, that when the body of Christ comes together, we don't have to be fearful of, 
And we need to use some discernment in, in these things. But when the spirit of God starts moving and speaking, I really believe that, that we will leave this place encouraged and strengthened. And my, my question for you is that, that will you come in this place and just listen? We say, God, would you, would you give me a word of encouragement for somebody? And that you would actually do it when we gather. I think this is part of what it means for us as a community. Put our, our sack lunches in his hands. And I know that's weird. And some of you are very weirded out. You can come talk to me afterwards. And I'd love to, to, to share that with you. You have freedom. You know, the, the, the expectation, this is permission from, from Andrew, your campus pastor, that you have permission to, when you come in this place, to each week put your sack lunch in his hands for the good of this body. The third thing that I think he's wanting us to step into, the third level of freedom, is that as we scatter, as we go back to our neighborhoods and our schools and our jobs, I love in this story, it says that the disciples left with 12 baskets of food. You know how many disciples there were? How many apostles there were? There were 12. That every disciple didn't just get fed that day, but they left with a basket full of food. And I think we're given this detail, so in part we understand that, that when we come for Jesus and when he fills us, it's never meant to just be confined. It's never meant to stop when we gather. I think that God shows up and he moves and he fills us and he puts a basket in our hand so that we can take it to a hungry world. Marathon, I expect that, that God is gonna move in some mighty ways this next year among us. I think as God fills us, as he unleashes us into some new levels of freedom in here, as this year we get to celebrate as people give their lives to Jesus in baptism, as we get to celebrate not being people of fear, as we step into this level of freedom, I, I think as we understand that as we come in this place and, and, and we and we put our, our sack lunches in his hands and we step into that freedom. I think we're gonna experience God in some amazing ways this year. And my hope is that we won't keep all the bread to ourselves. That we won't just leave this place and, and think about all the cool things that God did in our midst and the word that he gave us and the things that we heard and the things that we did. I hope that as we, we scatter, we, we get past our, our fear and we tell those people in our lives that we've just been wanting to talk about Jesus, that, that as we leave here, we leave with the courage and with the resolution to, that we are gonna share. We are gonna tell them of Jesus, that, that we get past our fear and we start praying for our coworkers. Maybe we start getting to work 10 minutes early and we just start praying, God, would you give my, my coworkers what they need today? Would you give me an opportunity? Would you give me a word? Would you give me something to bless my coworkers with today? That, that this would be the year that, that we go beyond talking about our coworkers, that we start praying with them and we pray for them. That this would be the year that we invite people who don't know Jesus to worship with us into our house churches to experience Jesus with us. That we would really put our faith into action 
and we would ask and we'd expect God to fill those that he cares about, just like he cares about us. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Here's what I want us to do with this today. We're gonna take communion. Adam and Kelly are gonna get back up and lead us in a few songs. And I just wanna kind of speak into a couple different groups of people. If you were here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you wanna become a follower, give your life to him today. Come all the way and you'll find rest. You'll find freedom. There are gonna be some men and women at the respond banner in the back. If you wanna talk or pray, we can help you step into this life with God today. We'd love to do that. If you're fearful to go by yourself, bring your friend and say, man, I wanna become a Christian. I wanna step into this life. You can do that today. And we invite you to, to not just let this be something you hear about but something you experience there there are some of you this morning and and you come here and you feel empty you're a christian but you feel like you have nothing to offer and i hope you take comfort knowing that the, that you're in the majority not in the minority here's what i mean there were 24,999 people in the store who had nothing and only one who did if you come here this morning and you're just empty in your week, I just invite you during communion would you just have the courage to to, to metaphorically raise your hand and say i'm still hungry that as we take communion, that, that you would take communion, you wouldn't just sit there silently, but you would grab your friend or your spouse, or if you don't know anyone here, you'd come to the respond banner and you would just say, man, I'm, I'm fearful, I'm empty, I'm, I'm weak. Would you just pray for me? And would you let them be a part of God filling you? But the only way <laughs> this is gonna happen is if you have the courage to say, I'm still hungry. So I'm putting the ball in your court. There are some of you this morning and, and, and you're just in a great place with God. And I invite you, man, if, if God is inviting you to go and pray over someone or he's giving you a word to share that with them and don't be weird about it. And come talk to me or come talk to Andrew. Come talk to one of us if, if, if you need a filter. But we'd, we just want this to be a place where we can come and, and, and the body of Christ be built up through each of us participating. Or if you want to sit and just pray for people in our, our church, pray for, you can do that. And this is what I want to invite all of us who are followers of Jesus. Even if you're not a follower, you can do this. Uh, you know, next week is Super Bowl Sunday. It's one of those Sundays that kind of all throughout the year that it's just, it's normal to invite people into your home. I want to invite you um, next Sunday to invite some of your neighbors into your home into your dorm, into your living space and to feed them good food, give them good drink and tell them about Jesus. And I invite you to invite them to come and be a part of this with us. Will you invite one person next week to come and worship with you? We open your home so people can come and, and be around people who've got. I love you guys. Let's pray.